Good evening. It's great to see you this evening, even though next to nobody responded to me, but that's okay. Y'all can make up for it by singing loudly later. <laughs> um, this evening is going to be all age worship. We're going to have the kids joining us to, uh, we're going to be singing one of the kids' songs later, and the kids will be familiar with some of the songs that we're going to be doing. And I want to kick off by reading a passage from Psalm 8, which is going to lead nicely into our first song, because it's literally the words of the first song, and it says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So we're going to be joining together as parents, as teens, as young adults, and as children to worship, all together to worship our God. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing and worship. They bow down before 
Continues like this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Let's continue to sing and worship. Sing before the throne. For the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and beats for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me this depart. No tongue can bid me this depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the Upward I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied To look on him and pardon me God him and pardon me. See, behold him there. Behold him there, the risen Lamb. My perfect, spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am. The King of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. Right, I'd like to welcome. Um, I'd like to invite the kids to come up. Iron will come up with some of the kids, and I believe we can have the kids coming up, and there's arrows or stars or something at the front. Yes, there are 
colorfully marked spots for you in the front, kids. So I invite you to come to the front. That's wonderful. Good evening, church. I'm Irin. I'm the kids' ministry director. Once a month, we come together, God's people of all ages, in the worship service to praise and worship our God. We learn, we learn about God and we also learn about ourselves. So on stage with me and in front here are the emerging leaders in our church and our community. So uh, I invite you, church, to encourage the kids by singing along and doing the actions with them. Let's worship the Lord together. Intro, two. Intro, two, three, four. Let's put our hands together, church. Chorus, two, three, four. We trust, we trust, we trust in you, Jesus. You're all, you're all, you're all that we need. Your power will pull us through. We're trusting in you. We're trusting in you. Zach will lead us in prayer. Lord, 
We praise you for your compassion and mercy. We have sinned against you. Thank you for sending Jesus to take the punishment for our sins. Help us trust in you alone. Amen. Amen. Well, before we take a seat, it's time to do scripture at Subi. Here in Subi Church, we memorize one passage each month. And for the month of August, we're committing to memory the passage from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. All right, we're going to say this together as a church. Are you ready? Very ready. Sounds like it. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well done, everyone. How about before you take a seat, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad that you're here today. Hey, there's only one spot left. For what? For the VBS sign-up. I wanted to sign up for that. Could you take me? The church is real close. It's all mine, buddy. <laughs> Come on. Open up. spot on the volunteer sign-up sheet. Oh no, there's always more room for volunteers at VBS. Should we tell him? Nah. <laughs> All right. Six more weeks to go and it's kids club time. Well, if you missed the last song, I'm Irene Mulligan and I'm the Subi Kids Ministry Director. This year's theme for Kids Club is called Monumental, Celebrating God's Greatness. And each day in the whole week of Kids Club, Monday to Friday, we will be looking into five Bible points relating to how awesome God is, which will be coming from the books of Genesis chapters 37 to 45. At this, as of this afternoon, we have 130 children registered. Out of this number, 34 are from other churches in the metro, and 28 who will be coming are coming from households who do not actually come to church, but someone from church invited them, and that, I think, is very cool. We like to make the most out of every second in this program. It is our desire that each child will leave the program with a deeper, more meaningful relationship with Jesus. So each day is packed with many activities, which means when you volunteer, there are many, many opportunities to use your gifts. The event has seven stations. Seven. And each of the seven stations, there's a specialized type of learning 
that's happening in that station. So the sing and play is where you do the welcome and the worship. Bible adventure is it's an interactive drama or play where you where the Bible story comes to life. Kidvid Cinema is where the kids watch a video of a real life person, you know, going through their life. Imagination Station where you help kids explore um, and connect fun experiments to Bible truths. Oasis Cafe is where you prepare and serve yummy snacks for the kids and volunteers. You help them relax and enjoy and, um, you know, get to know each other more over morning tea. And the Red Rex Game Station is you, where you bring on the fun, you facilitate games to get the kids moving, encourage them to work together as a team and build one another up. And lastly, we have Canyon Closing and Wrap Up. This is where you bring the day's Bible point home with interactive and fun activities to help kids discover incredible truths about God's amazing love and power. I hope that sounds really awesome to you because I'm really looking forward to this. Um, well, the event is made possible by awesome volunteers who share their time and talents. We invite you to be involved, um, connect with the community, and create lasting memories, and share the gospel truth with the kids and the community. In each of the five days of the program, we need 16 station leaders. We need 25 assistant station leaders who will be helping the station leaders and 30 crew leaders. So the crew leaders, they're the ones that sit with, the, with five to six children in their crew and they usher them from one station to another. The station leaders are the ones that actually run the station and what you saw earlier. And then the station assistants are the ones that help out the station leader complete the tasks in that station. To find out more about the roles and sign up to volunteer, please visit our sign-up table at the foyer. We have sign-up sheets, flyers, and working with children check forms ready for you as well. We have busy bee sessions to decorate and create the props for Kids Club, and it's starting tomorrow after the 1045 service. So there are many opportunities to get involved. And one more thing, please be praying for this event as we reach out and share the gospel to families and the local Subi community. Please also pray how you will be able to serve, support, and partner with us in this ministry and um, this program. Oh, let us pray. Father in heaven, we offer to you Kids Club 2022. Let this event be an opportunity to pour into the lives of kids in our congregation and the community. Holy Spirit, please speak to the hearts of each child, parent, carer, volunteer, and leader. We pray we could glorify you in all that we do and that this program and ministry will strengthen relationships, change hearts, and bring kids families, and volunteers closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all kids, it's time to go to your classes. Thank you, Aaron. Am I on? There we go. Thank you, Aaron. And Aaron is entirely right. What you see here are tomorrow's leaders. So if there's one important job that you can all do to help is to be a volunteer in the kids' program, that would be a fantastic thing to be able to do. For those that don't know me, my name is Stuart Beatty. I currently serve on the senior pastor 
search committee, and that is definitely another area that you could continue to pray for, please. Um, on your seats around you, you will see either a Connect card on your seat or a QR code on the back of your seat. And the Connect card looks something like this. And it's a wonderful way that uh, you can get connected into Subi Church. We'd certainly encourage everyone to fill one in, either physically or online, and let us know that you have been here, and if there's any particular prayer request or any particular need, or if there's something you just want to let us know about, we would certainly really encourage any feedback that you could give us. Every week it's part of our practice to give back to the Lord. Once upon a time, we used to pass a bag around, and in this COVID era, we certainly don't do that anymore. And we would encourage you, if you could, to set something up online. It's a fantastic way to be able to do it very conveniently, but I know that some people still like that practice of doing it regularly, and I totally understand that as well. And if that's what you would like to do, then you'll find there's an opportunity at the back to, uh, to put some money in an envelope into the hole at the back of the, of the auditorium there, if you prefer to do it that way. But let's pray for the offering. Our Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks once again that you are the giver of all good things. You gave so much, you even gave your only son for us. And so, Father, we wouldn't hold anything back from you. We would give cheerfully and from our hearts, and we would pray that the offering would be used wisely in the furthering of your kingdom here in Subi Church and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have some events that are coming up. And the first thing to talk about is we are having some baptisms next weekend. So across the 27th and the 28th of August, we will be holding some baptisms here in the church. And uh, as you know, Jesus himself was baptised and we are commanded to do the same. And I was also thinking that on Ben's very first weekend with us, 10 years ago in November, was the day that our daughter, our youngest child, Ali, was baptised on Ben's very first day, so it's a very memorable experience for us. But if you would like to be baptised or like to know more about what baptism is all about, then please let us know in your Connect card or come and have a chat to one of us that might have a red lanyard or one of the leaders in the church here as well. Two very special events that are coming up, one for the men and one for the women. The Women's Ministry Night is happening on Wednesday the 14th of September. 7.30pm, it'll be here in the church cafe, and so that's just under a month away now. And we'll be hearing from Linda Lee, and as you probably know, Linda is Pastor Ben's assistant, and she's also in charge of the church communications as well, and she'll be teaching from God's word about his goodness and his patience, and the difference that makes to our lives as his children. We'll also be hearing from Claudia Boland, and she'll be sharing about her experience serving in Africa for the last nine years as well as what it's like moving back to Perth recently as well. So all women are invited. They're very welcome to the event. And if you're part of a small group, then we'd love you to bring your whole small group along as well, the ladies at least. So RSVP on your Connect card too. And for the men, there's a men's ministry night coming up on Saturday the 17th of September. That'll be 7pm and there will be a, uh, a bonfire up at Byford. So join the men for bonfire and brisket. Now that sounds pretty good. Up at a property up in Byford. Uh, there's going to be a pig on a spit, but there'll also be something for the vegetarians as well. There will be a talk after the dinner to, the, to rally the men of the church. So these nights are one of the most popular on the calendar, so please don't miss out. 
It'll only cost you $20, and once again, you can RSVP on your Connect card, and uh, once you've done that, then the address will be sent to you. And the last thing to mention, it is coming to the end of a really important era, and uh, there is the opportunity for us all to send a little message of appreciation to our pastor, Ben, for the incredible job that he has done here in Subi Church over these last 10 years. So you'll have a chance to send a message, maybe even post a photo. Uh, there's only a few that have been submitted yet, so I know you've all been thinking about this and you've been rewriting and editing what your comments are going to be. But please, by the end of this month, we would love to have those in. Or you can, you can uh, drop in handwritten notes or photos into the church office if you would prefer. Thank you for that, Stuart. Yeah, and, and if you can't think of anything nice to say, just say something about my wife. That'll be fine. That's, that's fine as well. Uh, but it is nice to see you. And one of the things I wanted to do is let you know that uh, we have a guest speaker, not really a guest speaker, but Jamie Boland is going to be speaking uh, today and this weekend. And this was one of the things that I had planned and asked him to do for an August sermon. That was... Uh, uh, before some other things have taken place. But he will be here tonight speaking on 1 Timothy chapter 6. So we'll look forward to that in just a few moments. I wanted to lead you in prayer. Uh, one of the things I want you to be aware of, as Stuart said, we want to continue to pray for our pastor search uh, process. And that's ongoing. And that's our job. It's a big job. And it's an important job. And we need to pray. We've also said we'll commit to pray for peace in Ukraine. And then I just want to make a, a brief word. I may share a little bit more uh, about this later on. But uh, this week, this past week, my mother went to be with the Lord. And so she died uh, last Sunday. And one of the things I want to do is publicly just say thank you for her life to the Lord and for a godly woman who taught me and my brothers how to be servants of Jesus Christ. All three of us became pastors. And so a very uh, special woman. And she's with the Lord. And what I want to do is just give you a moment to think about someone special in your life and give thanks for them. So I'm going to give you a moment to pray silently. Give thanks for someone that God has used or blessed you with in your life, and then I'll lead you in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we have sung praises to you and to your Son, Jesus Christ, and acknowledged the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And Lord, we acknowledge once again that you are worthy of praise and service and adoration. And so, Father, we thank you first and foremost for Jesus Christ, our Lord, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the hope of the resurrection and the power of God that saves. Lord, we also want to give you thanks for very special people that you bring into our lives who are a part of our lives, who have served us, who have loved us, who have cared for us, uh, some who have shown us the way of salvation and the way of the cross. And I do want to thank you right now for my mother, and thank you again that you have taken her to be with you. And we thank you that in Christ Jesus we will see her again. Father, we also want to thank you for this church and what we stand for a community of believers committed to Jesus Christ, committed to the word of God, committed to sharing the gospel with others. And even as we've heard today, through Kids Club, there will be those who will come in from unchurched homes, and they will get to hear the gospel, the hope of God, 
And we do pray that you would use that message to go into their lives and into those homes. And so, Father, for that ministry and for the ministries that we have in this church, we ask your blessing. We pray for the senior pastor search committee and for their work. And we thank you for their diligence thus far. And, Lord, we want to pray with all of our heart that you would guide and direct them that you would lead them to that man of God that you have chosen, that you already know, to bring him here, and that he would have a tremendous impact not only on this church, but this community. Father, we also want to praise we've been doing for Ukraine, and we pray for peace, and we keep coming before the throne of grace, asking for peace. Until that day, we pray for grace for the refugees, We thank you that we have been a part of that support effort and pray that you continue to bless those efforts. Father, we pray also for peace and calm in our world, that cooler heads would prevail with all the tensions of our world. Father, we pray for our political leaders in Australia. And Father, we pray for revival. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This week's Bible reading is taken from 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 to 12. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and in gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you accord when you, were made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Thank you, Kendrick. I think it was shared that my wife will be uh, speaking at the women's ministry event. Uh, One thing I can say about the transition of life from Africa to Perth, it's cold. Um, I'm still not getting used to it. Anyway, let me read from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says this, The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. These are some of the final words we have from the Apostle Paul. It's his last letter that we have recorded. Tradition says he was imprisoned uh, in Rome by the Emperor Nero. He was executed not long after. He was beheaded for his faith in Jesus. A few years earlier, he wrote similar words to Timothy, words we just heard. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying that the Christian life is war. If you want to follow Jesus, then you must fight. Now, thankfully, most of us here have never had to endure the horror of war. When I was in in Uganda, South Sudan, many of my students from Rwanda, Congo, uh, they've experienced the horror of war. Let's think for a moment, though, about the intensity of combat. Now, I'd love to show it here, but I can't. It's a church service. But but think about the opening scenes from the film Saving Private Ryan. What I want to do, I want to narrate those scenes for you, but I want to dramatize it to kind of get you into the thick of the fight. So imagine, if you will, 
It's June 6, 1944. You're on a military transport heading toward Omaha Beach in Normandy. You're 18 years old and you're scared as hell. And you're not alone. The fear in those around you is, is tangible. You watch as grown men begin to pray. Other men around you make the sign of the cross. For some, the tension's unbearable. The anxiety causes them to vomit. Suddenly, fear gives way, uh, gives way to chaos. There's like a series of explosions that rock the transport. And in the midst of this confusion, you hear the whistle blow. It's, it's time to go. The ramp at the, the front of the transport begins to descend, but as it does, bullets rip through those at the front. People close to you are hit, dead before they even get out of the boat. And with all this gunfire and bodies in the way, you can't go forward, and so over the side you go. But the water on the side is too deep, and your equipment's so heavy that you have to fight with every ounce of your strength just to reach the surface and draw breath. As the machine guns fire and, and, and continue, there's explosions around you. You see all this stuff raining down and somehow you're able to swim and make it to the shore. You're exhausted, half drowned, and finally, finally you catch a glimpse of the enemy. There they are right in front of you, no more than 50 meters away. And what you can see, there's a series of bunkers lining the, the small cliffs. And each one is home to a machine gun nest that is raining down fire. Between you and them lies barbed wire and landmines. And for you, the problem is you're in the open. You're exposed. They have the high ground. You've got to get off that beach. So far, all you've done is survived. If you're going to get off that beach alive, then you're going to have to fight. Now, this is not paintball. This is not laser tag. This is life and death. If you were going to get off that beach alive, then you are going to need to advance on those guns. And you were going to have to fight for every single step. You can go home and watch the film. You can see for yourself the intensity of these opening scenes. Now, maybe you're sitting here and thinking, well, Jamie, this is all a tad overdramatic. Physical combat and my spiritual life are two very different realities. Yes, yes, they are. And the consequences of one are far more serious than the consequences of the other. Let me underscore the seriousness of Paul's exhortation to his young protege. First Timothy begins and ends with these very same words. Look at chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Fight the good fight. If you don't, you may very well shipwreck your faith. Think about this metaphor. You begin the journey, but you run aground. You set sail, but you don't reach your destination. And Paul uses these very same words at the end of his letter in chapter 6, verse 12. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. You know, I tell my theology students this. Where you see this type of repetition, know that the author is trying to get your attention. 
more so when they begin and end with the same thought. Life is war. Whether you understood it at the time or not, when you committed your life to follow Jesus, you entered a battle. So what's the fight? First, let me tell you what it's not. In 2006, when Claudia and I first came and, uh, to live in Australia, I was, I was working in a hardware, sh- a hardware store that was not too far from where I grew up. And, and because of this, I would often run into people that I went to school with. One day, this guy comes into the shop. He, he recognizes me. We start talking. And then he says, so what have you been doing these past few years? And I thought, yes, an opportunity to share my faith. And so I tell him, I, I've just returned from serving as a missionary in Africa. Now, his response caught me by surprise. Wow, he says, that's really cool. Now, just so you know, that's not the normal response. God talk is normally a conversation killer. And so I'm thinking as we're talking, okay, the door is open to, to share about Jesus. And as the conversation's going on, I'm looking for an angle. And then he says, so did you, uh, did you kill anyone? And I'm like looking at him completely perplexed. And then he says, didn't you say that you were serving as a mercenary in Africa? Okay, missionary, mercenary. Fighting the good fight is not about reenacting the Crusades. It's not a call to physical violence. So what is it then? This word fight used by Paul, in the Greek, it's a word agonitsu. Now the English word agonize is derived from this word. It means to strive or struggle deeply for something. It's used in the context of athletics and military conflicts. It basically involves giving all that you've got. And this word is used twice in chapter 6, verse 12. Let me, let me draw out the intensity of the original text. Agonitsu, the good agona. Now, it's probably not entirely correct to do so, but we can capture the sentiment by reading it like this. Agonize the good agony. That's the call when you follow Jesus. Do you get what this is saying? It's saying that the life of faith is not easy. If you don't want to end up a shipwreck, if you want to get off that beach alive, then you have to strive. You have to struggle. I remember when I first came to faith, I was 26. I was working at, uh, well, what was then Burswood Resort and Casino. And I remember a work colleague, a big, strong man. He, 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 he was not shy in pointing out to me that Christianity is a crutch used by weak people who cannot cope with life. Anyone else ever heard that? You're weak. You need a crutch to kind of get through life. Now, to a degree, it's true. I'm weak. I need Jesus in my life. But can I tell you this? Life was less of a struggle when I gave myself over to sin. Indulging the flesh comes naturally. But surrendering my life to Jesus, now that's a fight. The problem with being a living sacrifice is we don't want to be on that altar. Listen to these words of Jesus from Luke chapter 13, verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Anyone care to guess what that first word is in the original Greek? 
It's the exact same word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy. The same word that we get agonized from. Jesus is saying, strive, struggle, fight to enter through the narrow door. Yes, we are weak and we need Jesus, but following Jesus is not for the weak. Do you get what I'm saying? Entering through the narrow door is a matter of life and death. The Apostle Peter, he picks up this same intensity when he urges us to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Life is war. And in combat, you need to do whatever it takes to survive. Let's listen once more to Jesus. Let's hear what he says in relation to surviving. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to be thrown into the eternal fire. Now, if you're young and you're hearing this probably for the first time, let me add a caveat. Please don't take this literally. It's rumored that the church father Origen castrated himself in response to these verses. Okay? This is what poetry calls hyperbole. Jesus deliberately uses exaggerated, powerful language to underscore the seriousness of sin and the effort that we must overtake to defeat it. On July 20, 1993, a man named Donald Wyman, he was clearing land in Pennsylvania uh, as part of his job for a mining company. Now, in the process, a, a tree, a, a huge tree, it rolled onto his leg, and, and it hit with such force that it completely uh, ripped in half. It, it, it just basically snapped his shin. And, and as a result, he was left pinned on the ground. And so here he is, he's like for over an hour, he's crying out for help. No one came. He's alone. He's isolated. Now, young people, this may be hard to imagine, but this is a time prior to mobile phones. If this guy doesn't move, this guy dies. So what he concluded was this. The only way to save his life would be to cut off his leg. So what he did is he reached down to his shoe and he pulled out a shoestring. And he somehow made this very crude tourniquet and tightened it with a wrench. Then he reaches into his pocket, pulls out a pocket knife, and just below the knee he cuts, first through the skin, then the muscle, and then the bone. He's able to then drag himself out from under the tree. But the problem is a shoelace doesn't make a very good tourniquet, so his leg is bleeding profusely. He is bleeding out. Now he has to fight for his life. Story goes, he slowly drags himself along the ground to a bulldozer, which was about 30 meters away. He drives the bulldozer for about 400 meters to reach his truck. The problem is his truck was manual transmission. Now, for those who don't know, you need two legs to drive a manual vehicle. Somehow, using his free hand and his one leg, he was able to drive over two miles to a nearby farmhouse. From there, the farmer took him to hospital and his life was saved. Some of you may have seen the film 127 Hours. It's basically the same thing. A rock climber was trapped in a canyon. You can see the picture. He's trapped in the canyon because a boulder has pinned his arm. He's stuck there for 127 hours, hence the title. 
Now, if you're doing the math, that's five days. In the end, he had to cut off his arm in order to survive. What's my point? A person will cut off a body part to save their life. What do you need to cut off to save your eternity? It's basically what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 18. I like the way theologian John Owen put it. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Every single one of us here is fighting something. There's no one here today that's not fighting something. It could be lust, anger, pride, selfishness, greed, unbelief. The list is endless. We are all fighting something. Now, I know this is heavy, so let me speak a word of comfort. Let me speak some grace. Making war on sin doesn't mean we win every battle. If you are losing some battles, that doesn't mean you're not committed to the fight. You are committed to the fight if you truly despise that sin that sometimes conquers you. You are committed to the fight if you will not allow sin to have the final say in your life. And by the grace of God and the power of His Spirit, you will make it out of life alive. Can I hear an amen? I saw some people taking deep breaths. It's... Let's bring this back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me read from verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You don't want to go there. You do not want to go there. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. That's a far better list. Now there's so much I could say here, but let me just say this one thing. When Paul says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, he's not talking about Bill Gates and the uber wealthy. He's talking about those who simply have a desire to have more than they actually need. I see it, I want, I must have it. If that's you, then that root needs to be, needs to be cut out. Destroy that root, lest it destroy your eternity. If we could... Keep that other slide up, Anita. I just want to highlight the two verbs that Paul uses. Oh, the one before, not the next one. There's two verbs. Oh, actually not highlighted there. Okay. There's two verbs that Paul uses. He commands Timothy to flee and pursue. Now, when you think about it, they're actually completely opposite actions. Paul says, when faced with evil, flee. Think of Joseph in Potiphar's house. Run as far and fast, run as far away and fast as you can. Now, let me give one practical example something that is plaguing our modern world. When you're sitting at your computer, or perhaps you're scrolling through your phone, when something catches your eye, I think you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Do not click. Do not enter that page, close it down, run away. 
This is not just a problem in the West. This is a problem in Africa. Internet pornography is killing our world. It is leaving a trail of victims in its wake. If that's you, do not click. Flee. Run away as fast as you can. The second verb Paul uses is the word pursue. Flee the bad stuff. Pursue the good stuff. Now notice this. Both these verbs are active. You will not flee from sin or overcome it by being passive. The same as you will not produce holiness by being passive. You've got to be active. Think about Cristiano Ronaldo. I think we've got a picture. There he is. Isn't he handsome, ladies? Arguably one of the greatest footballers who's ever lived. Now, when I say football, I mean the game where you kick it with your head. Now, imagine if you thought, I can say that in Africa. I say football, I come here, people, it's AFL or rugby. Imagine if he thought to himself, I'm one of the greatest players of all time. God has naturally gifted me. I'm strong. I'm athletic. I know how to score goals. I don't need to train. And so all week he sits on his couch playing video games, drinking soda and stuffing chips into his face. Would he be able to turn up on match day and maintain peak performance? The answer is no. And he knows it. And that's why at the age of 37 he's the first to arrive at training and the last to leave. And when he's not on the training track, he's in the gym. Okay, he doesn't miss leg day. My point is this. Excellence doesn't just happen. It is something that must be pursued. It takes discipline. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to be all that God intends you to be, don't expect Christian virtues to fall out of the sky and into your lap. It's just not going to happen. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Those last three words are crucial. Trained by it. Holiness will not come easy. Your flesh will not allow it. Satan will not allow it. But if we pursue it, then we can produce a harvest of righteousness. Having explained that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, Paul then instructs Timothy with these final words. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Let me just pause for a second. When you read those words, understand that globally and historically, Paul's talking about most of us here today. Globally and historically, this is us. Command those who are rich in this world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I love that final phrase. Paul's already instructed Timothy to fight the good fight and take hold of the eternal life to which he was called. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for eternity. 
Here Paul says, he kind of repeats that instruction and says, you know, warn those who are tempted to put their trust in money. Instead, tell them to take hold of the life that is truly life. Think about what he's saying. He's saying that true life is not to be found in material comforts or, or, or the pleasures that money can afford. You don't find life there. Now what I'm about to say next is, is not intended with any disrespect, so please hear my heart. I grew up in one of the poorest areas of Perth. I'm a, I'm a Girawain boy, if you know Perth. And I can honestly say I didn't come from a happy household. I remember a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling. And I remember my dad, he had this belief that if he just wins lotto, then everything will be okay. All the problems will disappear. All the brokenness, all the dysfunction. He'd find life if we were rich. Can I tell you, it, it, it doesn't work that way. There are matters of the soul that money cannot fix. In contrast, my mother worked for a lady who was rich. I mean, she was really, really rich. She doesn't have to worry about a single thing in life. Now, I don't know how to say this any other way, but she's one of the least happy people you will ever meet. So miserable and complaining all the time. You see, there's a void, and money cannot fill it. Wealth may bring external comfort, but it, it doesn't bring wholeness. In the end, her husband grew so tired of her, he divorced her, and for a, a while, her children didn't even want to know her. Paul is saying wealth is no guarantee of finding the life that is truly life. We have to fight against that temptation. There's an interesting story that comes out of the sinking of the Titanic. Now, for those who don't know, there were not nearly enough lifeboats to save everyone on board. The story goes that a wealthy woman from first class, she was one of the fortunate few who was given a seat in one of the boats. Now, understand, there was, a, there was chaos and panic. You know, everyone knows this ship is going down. They know their lives are at stake. And people, are, they're, they're fighting to get on those boats. And here's this woman. She's got her position. And suddenly, she gets out of the boat and runs back to her room in first class. Sitting on the dresser is this, you know, really expensive piece of jewelry. Ignoring that, she instead grabs three oranges and races back to the boat. You see, at that moment, that jewelry had less value than those oranges. At that moment, that jewelry was less precious than those oranges. It was worthless. There was nothing it could do to save or preserve her life. Let me say this. When death is imminent... The prospect of eternity has a way of bringing clarity unlike anything else. Paul says to Timothy, warn those who are rich not to put their hope in wealth. When it comes to matters of your soul, when it comes to matters of eternity, wealth is no savior. Paul says instead, command them to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, eternity. 
so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let me close with the story of William Borden. Born in 1887, he was actually the heir to the Borden family fortune. I think they did dairy and ice cream and that sort of stuff. He stood to inherit tens of millions of dollars. At the time, he would have been one of the richest men in America. He could have lived like a prince. Wealth, pleasure, prestige. When he graduated from high school, he, he took a gap year. What his parents did, they said, we will pay for you to go on a round-the-world trip. Nice gap year. During this trip, he developed a burden for the unreached people of Asia and the Middle East. And from that point on, his life took a very different path. At university, his rich friends were driving around in the latest automobiles, but he chose to, to walk. Secretly, he was giving away thousands of dollars to missions. One friend expressed surprise that he was, and I quote, throwing himself away as a missionary. In response, Borden wrote two words in the back of his Bible. No reserves. What he's saying is when it comes to the Great Commission, there is no substitutes bench. No one sits on the sidelines. We've all been called. At one point, his father was so concerned that he's wasting his life, he threatened to cut him off from the family fortune entirely. In response, Borden wrote another two words in the back of his Bible. No retreat. Having been called by Jesus, there was no turning back. Another friend wrote, No one would have known from Borden's life and talk that he was a millionaire, but no one could have helped knowing that he was a Christian. After graduating from both Yale University and Princeton Theological Seminary, Borden gave more than his finances. He gave his life. He felt a call to the Muslim Kansu people in northern China. Now, because he was hoping to work with uh, Muslims, he first stopped in Cairo in Egypt to study Arabic. He'd only been there three months when he contracted uh, spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden, heir to one of the largest fortunes in America, was dead. His death was front-page news across the U.S. People questioned why, whether, has, he, has this guy wasted his life? Think of all that he could have been. Think of all that he could have achieved. He could have been a captain of industry, a, a mover and shaker. And so the question is, how do you turn your back upon all that wealth? How do you sacrifice so much to seemingly gain so little? Let me tell you how. William Borden had an eternal perspective. He had taken hold of the life that is truly life. Consider these words from Jim Elliot, another missionary who made the ultimate sacrifice for Jesus. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This is why we fight the good fight. We gain what we cannot lose. And when we fight the good fight, when we finish the race, we find the life that is truly life. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you that we have been saved by your son, Jesus. We've been called to belong to him. We've been called to serve him. Father, we thank you for this high and mighty call. But God, we know it's not easy following Jesus.
At times we are so weak, but God, you've called us to fight the good fight. Father, we know we do so, that you, as we do so, you strengthen us. Father, I ask and pray for everyone here tonight. Whatever the struggle is, help them to stand firm. Help them to overcome and help them to honor and glorify you in their lives. Help them to serve you and to love you and to honor you. Father, we ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Jamie. We're going to come to our time of the Lord's Supper right now, and we're going to enter once again into the presence of the Lord and recognize him among us. I just want to share just a brief story about my mother, who is now, uh, this is her first full week in heaven, and she went to be with the Lord last Sunday, on the Lord's Day, and I know that that kind of just encouraged my father and here's the reason why he, he was just encouraged because it was the Lord's Day and she loved to come to church and she loved the worship now when we were children I still remember when we would come to church and we would sit with my mom she would always march us down to the front and, and again those pews were always vacant so she would march us down to the front Remember one time when I was in high school, Mom, why do we have to sit in the front all the time? And she just said, I don't want to be distracted. I just want to be able to focus on the Lord and worship God. And that's all I want to think about. I don't want to think about anything else but the Lord. And one of the things that I thought about is when she went to be with the Lord this past Sunday is she gets to be in the presence of the Lord. No distractions nothing else, just worshiping the Lord. So Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And that's what we get to do right now. Now the Lord's Supper, I just want to talk about that for a moment. This represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We do it as often as we gather together in his name until he comes. Just a quick thought. I don't think they serve the Lord's Supper in heaven. I think he is present with them, but what we recognize is until we see him face to face, we will remember his sacrifice on the cross. We will remember his blood shed. We will remember him. And then it just helps us to long for him to be in his presence face to face. And then we will enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise in the best way possible. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, having put your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as Jamie has told us today, it's worth it. Christ gives his life for us and we partake of his grace his salvation, his forgiveness. If that's your hope, that's your faith, this table is for you. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, the invitation is always there. Believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is by grace through faith that you are saved. Let me just ask that you bow in prayer. Take this moment to prepare your heart. Think about the glory of Christ 
worthiness of the fight, the struggle. And one day we will see him and be in his presence. And we will, in all reality, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so this time, often called the Eucharist, is a time of thanksgiving and praise for what Christ has done. Take this moment to confess your sins, to acknowledge them, to lay them before the cross of Christ and receive forgiveness and grace. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who went to the cross for sinners like us, who gave his life for us, who died, was buried, and rose again Sunday, the first day of the week. It's resurrection day. It's new life day for all of us. And right now we celebrate Jesus Christ. And we give thanks for him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you promised that one day you would come to us or we would come to you. But that day is the day we long for. In Christ's name, amen. Again, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this table is for you. If you've not put your hope and trust in Christ, please do not partake of the table until you've put that faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask that the first five, ten rows stand on the side in the center and come to the center if you're in the center sections to the side if you're in the side sections. Take the bread and the cup and we'll ask that you hold them in just a couple moments. We will partake of them together. verses 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is that time of thanksgiving. Recognizing the love of God for us. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Today, tomorrow, forever.
It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Jesus gives himself for us. This is his body. Take in remembrance. Let's take together. On the cross, his blood is shed, but it's not meaningless. It is for the forgiveness of our sins, and this cup is the new covenant in his blood. Take in remembrance. Pray with me. Father, we come before you with thanksgiving, with praise and adoration. We thank you for Jesus Christ, for the hope of salvation and the hope that we have because of the gospel. Lord, your faithfulness, your love endures forever, and we want to live for you this week and forever. In Christ's name. We're going to sing our final song, but just before that, I want to read a quick passage. Paul writes, fight the good fight of the faith, roughly agonize the good agony. And I want to read another passage, which is agony in it, from Luke uh, chapter 23, chapter 22. Jesus is in Gethsemane. And it says this, He withdrew about a stone's throw behind, beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And being in anguish, agony. Let's have that in our mind as we sing our final song, Your Will Be Done. Would you stand and sing with us? Self-exalting Help me seek your kingdom first As Jesus walked So I shall walk Help by your same unchanging love Be still my soul Oh, lift your voice and pray Father, not my will but yours be done Turn our mind to Jesus and Gethsemane. How in that garden He persisted, I may never truly know the fearful way of true obedience. It was held by Him alone. What wondrous faith to bear that cross. Bear my sin, what wondrous love My hope was strong When there my Savior prayed Father, not my will, but yours be done 
And say thank you to uh, to um, Jamie. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say Jordan, but Jamie. <laughs> I love the passage. Fight the good fight, and then this fight over here. Take hold of the life that is truly life. As we go, we fight the good fight. Pray with me, Father. As we go, we ask your blessing upon us. We pray that your grace and your mercy would be with us. And we pray that we would live for Jesus Christ this week. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.